1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I, I want to speak to you tonight, and I so want to encourage you, and I pray that you'll mix faith with what you hear, that the word preached and taught tonight would be profitable unto you, and uh, because I, I just want to declare from the very beginning, he really is all that we need. He is all that we need. And I want to read to you this evening from this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and look in verse 30. Notice what it says. Right there, those last two verses of the chapter. It says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, would you bless the preaching and teaching of your word. May, Lord, may they be strengthened with might in the inner man. And Lord, has been said many times as preachers, Lord, as we speak and we're speaking on the outside. Holy Spirit, may you have your way and speak to every heart on the inside. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me, uh, I know for you uh, older seasoned citizens, all right, you seasoned saints, let me, let me get you to go back. Do you recall those days of when you got saved? Do you recall that when you told somebody about what had happened to you? I, I remember uh, how that was and how that went. I got back to the tower and uh, the air, at the airport, and I told a couple of the men that I'd gotten saved uh, on Sunday, and I think this might have been a Monday or Tuesday, uh, when I went back to work, and, and man, all of a sudden, man, you know, I, out of the woodwork, these guys, oh, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, oh, I've got a baptismal certificate, it, it's in the barracks, I have it, and, and, uh, and, and for me, what happened, and I suspect maybe for you, did anybody approach you and do different things when you told them about that you had gotten saved? Did anybody come along and try to talk with you about anything? You know, I, I had people, I, I, I didn't realize, nor did I recognize how many other Christians I had been surrounded by, all right? I just couldn't tell by their speech or their, their behavior. And I'm not condemning them. I just, nobody ever witnessed to me. No, the only other time was when I was in college and... Uh, uh, I, I went to, uh, as a freshman, I went to Mississippi State University there in Starkville, Mississippi, and that was in the, uh, in the fall of 71 uh, for that first semester as a freshman. And I remember I got into Duggar Hall. That was the, where I was staying there on the campus and that first night. And when I woke up in the morning, uh, there was a piece of paper, like a notebook paper, but it was a, it was a flyer. And uh, I, it was an invitation to the next Klan meeting in the area if I wanted to attend the, the KKK. And so I had that invitation. And, uh, and so, uh, and then it wasn't long till there were some guys, some older upperclassmen that came along and, man, dragged me into a room and uh, talked to me. Man, are, you know, are, are you a Christian? You, you know, and I wasn't anything. And I, you know, I just, whatever you want me to say, man, I'll say it. I mean, because I already thought, you know, I'd already been approached by the Klan and now by these Christians. I thought, gosh, there's two ends of the spectrum. This place is crazy, you know. And uh, so 
I share that only to say that um, that all those times, uh, no one ever witnessed to me. No one ever gave me a gospel track and all that time. But when I when I did get saved, I was surprised because then then uh, some of these people that I knew they they questioned me. Said, "Well, did you do this? Well, uh, did you say this particular thing?" And some wanted to know, "Well, did you speak in tongues?" Uh, did, did you get this? Did someone lay hands on you? And I told you about the Mormon friend that said, well, you know, uh, we're the only people that know where we came from and where we're, where we're going, you know. And I, then I want to know, well, where are you from, Gary? And, and he said, well, we're, we're, I'm from another planet, you know. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and I mean, he wasn't loony. He was, you know, he was a, a, quote, an intelligent person, you know, and his, had all the use of all his faculties and everything. But he just strongly believed that. But, but I'm so glad, and, aren't, I, I, and I know you're glad, that our redemption does not rely on what other men think, but solely upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. He really is all that we ever needed. He really is all that we needed from our youth up into these golden years. And so I want you to notice something here in these passages, look with me in verse 26. I want you to see this, and, and I've got a little to cover here, so, so bear with me with this, all right? Notice what he says. He said, for you see your calling, brethren, verse 26, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Well, one of the things that you and I need to know is that we've been called. In here is our calling. Now, listen. I, I want to be very clear about this. I am not a Calvinist, period. I'm a whosoever will may come, amen? There is no limited atonement on God's part. It's men who limit the Lord. And it's not that God rejects them, it's that the fact that they have rejected Him is what makes the difference. And so the Holy Spirit is going to do His job. And, one, and his job, as over there in John 16 said, and when he is come, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And that's what happened in my life as I listened to the Word of God, as I read that Bible on that Saturday night, and I read that whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That sparked my interest right there. That was God beginning the work if you will, to bring me to a saving knowledge. I wasn't looking for him. He came looking for me. And, uh, and so the Holy Spirit is going to do his job, and he has always called men out. He has always called them out. Jesus said what? Come unto me, all ye that labored are heavy laden. That's the call of God. And the Lord Jesus said in John 6 and 44, he said, no man can come except my Father draw him. That's all the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, when a man begins to think about his own mortality and he begins to think about eternity and he starts thinking about maybe the things of God, that's God at work, beginning to work in that heart. A person just doesn't wake up one day and say, well, you know, today I think, I, I think uh, I, I'm going to be a Christian. Well, it doesn't happen like that, okay? It, it takes a work of the Holy Ghost. The convincing and convicting of the Holy Spirit of God. As much as it takes a man and woman to produce new life, so it takes the Word of God and the Holy Ghost of God 
to produce new life in the heart of that believing sinner. So clearly, he says, he said, I want you to see your calling, brethren, all right? And, uh, and notice what he said. He said, not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, all right, are called. But look at verse 27. Here is their condition. Here was our condition. But God hath chosen the what? The foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Now watch. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and what? And things which are not to bring to naught things that are. So we know, hey, there had to have been a calling for us to have been saved, but we had a condition. That passage says right there, who does he call? Who did he call? He called the foolish. You know, this is God's toolbox. He doesn't have craftsman tools. He doesn't have that. He kind of, he has the kind you get at the pawn shop. You know, that it, something might be broke on it. Amen. It, it, it was wore out. It had a chip in it or whatever. The electric doesn't work all the time, but it's there in the tool bin. And, uh, you know, and God's been drawing straight lines with crooked sticks for a long, long time. So God called the foolish. Now, that word foolish, do you know what it, that's where you get the word moron from. <laughs> Brother Ed, I, I thought you said you were going to encourage us tonight. I'm trying, I'm trying. Stay with me, okay? Moron, that's where that word comes from, the foolish. Didn't mean that they were a fool, like the fool hath said in his heart that there is no God. But we all have done foolish things. Wouldn't you agree with that? We have. And, uh, and, but that's where you get the word moron from. Dull or stupid is derived from the same word where you get the word foolish. All right. So God has chosen the foolish things of the world. What? To confound the wise. And it does. It scratches people's heads. You know, I, I think about, I think about, I think about Brother Roger today. Man, a boy that was raised in Bigby Bottom, Mississippi. Bigby Bottom. And uh, you say, where is Bigby Bottom? Well, that's right next door to Nettleton. That's a thriving metropolis, which is not far from Amory in Smithville, Mississippi. I went to visit Brother Roger, uh, his, uh, his uh, homestead, if you will, of where he had been reared and his grandpa was still there wore bib overhauls and still had tobacco stains dripping down his chin. And uh, he was about 80 something years old brother and still had a stand of corn and had an old windlass out there. And that's how we got water out. We cranked the windlass and up came a bucket from the well. Uh, brother Roger has said, and I, I'm not telling anything out of turn, as an 18 year old, they still had an outhouse in the back. And, uh, you know, yet Brother Rogers preached in Austria and in Australia, in Papua New Guinea, in Germany, and in, I believe, in Liechtenstein, and uh, has been in a lot of different places, just a country boy. He was the first male in his family to ever graduate from high school. God takes the foolish things. To confound the wise. And the wise are saying, man, they scratch their head at stuff like that. Um, also says that he chosen the weak things. Those are the feeble. Those are the folks that don't have any strength. I, I, 
on my, I asked Debbie to take a picture of this. There's a sign out here as you're going on 98 and you're headed to, we call it the scenic route, as you go around that way over the hills and, and you're looking down on Curve Hill. There's a sign there that says, be stronger than your excuses. You see, now that's what the wisdom of the world says. And the Bible says that when we were without strength, Christ died for us. If I would have had, if you would have had the strength to change yourself, it would not have been necessary for Jesus to have gone to Calvary and died. And, uh, and for us to try to change ourselves and for men to, they're going to turn over a new leaf and they're going to make these vows and do all these things. It flies in the face of what God has done for us. And the Lord has chosen the weak things, man, frail things. I've, I've known of missionaries that spent years and years and years in, in South Africa and then in Australia. And the time I saw him come down, he had polio, got that as a young boy. And we heard those squeaking braces as he came down the aisle. He'd only been home from the field four times in all those years that he had been on the mission field. That was Brother Randy Pike. Good friends with uh, Brother Joe West. And when they met right there in the, in the aisle, Brother West had tears coming down his cheeks. He hadn't seen Brother Randy in so many years. And when he got up there, they kissed each other on the cheek. Man, I mean the weak things and the number of churches that have been established and the lives that have been changed through that broken vessel. God's chosen the weak things. God's chosen the forgotten things. Notice what he says in verse 28. And the base things of the world and things which are despised. The forgotten not only the feeble and the foolish, but the forgotten. These are the baser people. They are low bred. No fame or fortune. No powerful. No, uh, no celebrity status. They're just nobodies. But God specializes in that kind of stuff. I mean, look at David said, man, David said of himself, man, I, I, you know, I, I'm, he was what? He was the, the last of Jesse's sons. He was just, he, he said he was like, he was just a flea out here. He wasn't anything. And so God, remember, God looks upon the inside, not on the outside, like how the world looks. And so, I, I, you know, and so I want you to see our condition. We fall into that category, whether it was the foolish or the feeble or the forgotten, if you will. No one with any celebrity status, no big shots, uh, nobody with any credentials that the world would recognize. And I think about those pastors that are over there in New Guinea and, and, uh, and serving and serving the Lord and out uh, walking the bush on a walkabout, going to reach people in far remote camps and villages, trying to bring the gospel to them. And the world has never heard their name, never speaks their name. But I'll tell you what, it's being recorded in heaven. And their faithfulness. Amen. Gosh, it's exciting. I'm telling you, it's exciting when you think about those things. 
And uh, they can be in their own right real missionary statesmen. Not only walking with God, but walking for God. What a blessing that is. So our calling, our condition, but the thing that I want you to see tonight is our completeness. Now watch, look with me in verse 30. It says, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us. Now he's saying that Christ, and this is God's working, Christ has been made unto us. These four things that are mentioned here. The very first one is wisdom. Wisdom to do what? To transform our minds. Amen. Man, I don't know about you, but uh, my thinking wasn't very good before I got saved. I, I, you know, they used to say someone accused Brother Roloff of brainwashing those men that were down there in those homes at the Roloff homes and those girls. And, and he said, well, of course. He said they had a dirty mind and it needed to be washed. Amen. And, uh, and you know, because they would give some of those guys, I don't know if you know this, sister, they would, when they would, he would go to court, they would ask him to come to court. And Brother Olaf would be there and the judges would know him. And so he would get ready to sentence this guy that was a drug dealer or abuser or whatever it might be. And he would give him a choice. You could either go to prison for X number of years or I'm going to assign you to the Roloff homes. And Brother Roloff is right back there. And they would say, well, what's that like? And the judge would say, well, there's no TV and there's no cigarettes. <laughs> and he would throw the gavel down. And man, you're going to Brother Roloff's home. And a lot of those men got turned around in their lives and became productive citizens. And so through Jesus Christ, we have wisdom now. It's available to us. We have access to it. You know, the Lord said this. He said, have I not written to thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth? Why? God wants this word to be in our hearts and in our minds that we would meditate upon these things so that we could have our minds renewed. You remember that from Romans 12 where he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be a transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're doing this. He has done this because our minds were corrupt. Listen to this, what Paul writes in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 4, and verse 17. Listen to this, what he says. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. That's how we were walking. I mean, what were we doing? We were just doing what we thought was right. We were like those folks at the end of the book of Judges, there was no king in Israel. And every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's what we were doing. That's how we thought, what we wanted. You know, we said, these are my eyes. I'll look at what I want. This is my tongue. I'll say what I want to say. These are my hands. I'll do what I want to do. These are my feet. I'll go wherever I want to go. Well, I don't know about you, but I was not doing a very good job. Yeah. I wasn't doing well. Was not. But he says this having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. We were ignorant. Didn't mean we were stupid. We just were uninformed. 
Didn't know. I hadn't heard about the Lord Jesus in the way. You know, when I, when I, when I went to church in that Baptist church, that was the first time I'd ever heard preaching. Uh, on the occasions when we did go, man, the, uh, I looked at the stained glass windows that were there. I, I counted the tiles on things. I, there was no preaching there. There was no, there was no, uh, there was no point on the pencil, if you will, to bring you to a decision. There was nothing there like that that would be that would cause a person to question your own mortality. Even for a young person. There was nothing there about someone who would help me with my problems. It was not there. It says, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. And, and, but I love this in verse 20, what he says. But ye have not so learned Christ. Why? Because God's given us the wisdom of his word. He has given us wisdom. He has been made unto us wisdom. And so as a result, man, we can have that by through the preaching, reading, meditation, God begins to adjust our thinking to the way that he thinks. That we might know and do his will. And are not his thoughts higher than our thoughts? Amen. And so he's trying to elevate us. He's not like a lot of teachers today. They got to sort of dumb it down. God doesn't do that, man. He's trying to bring us up. To bring us up where we need to be. And so he's been made unto us righteousness. Look at the second correction. Look at the second one. He's been made unto us wisdom. The second thing that Jesus has been made. I'm, in, I'm still in 1 Corinthians 30. Look at that second one. He said he's been made unto us wisdom. Now the second one is righteousness. Righteousness. The first one was to, was to help my mind, to transform my mind. And now this one is to give me merit. We had no righteousness. If you recall, what did we have? According to the book of Isaiah, the very best that we could have done is called filthy rags. And do you know what that's a reference to? Those are the rags of a leper. I have preached in a leper colony in India. I have seen firsthand the results of leprosy. Noses that are gone and nubs here and oozing and, 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 and the like. All the things. We brought them food, rice and meal and things. And then we preached to them with their families and itty bitty children. I mean, just... just it's just pitiful. That's all I can tell you. It's just pitiful. And they're losing a little bit of themselves all the while to that disease that has no natural cure. And, um, and so it is those filthy rags. What the Lord said there in Isaiah was that those rags are the swaddlings that they would change, much like changing a dressing. Over, a, over an oozing wound that had, I'm not trying to gross you off, but I want you to see what God says about our, these stinking rags is the best that we could do because we had no merit of our own. But man, thank God. When we come to pray, I have access, amen. Therefore, being justified by faith, I have peace with God and we have access into this grace. Why? Because when we come, we don't come in our own name. We come in the name that's above every other name. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the one that gives us merit. When, when, you know, when you think about merit, when you, when you, uh, 
when, when you consider that, you know, they talk about these merit raises when they've done a good job. And the beauty of this about being hid in Christ, you know, we sing that song, he hideth my life in the depths of the what? Of his love. That's exactly right. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. He hideth my life in the depths of his love. Why? We are hidden in Christ. So when the Father looks down, he doesn't see Mel Graham anymore. He doesn't see Larry McGuff. He doesn't see Ed Tierbach. He sees the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? We are in him and he in us. He doesn't see, he doesn't see that horseshoe, brother. He sees his son. He sees his son. And that's the beauty of it. And that's why Jesus said, man, no man can pluck you out of my father's hand. I mean, you know, when you're in him and you're in the father's hand, I've heard people make silly remarks. Well, you know, uh, you could jump out. You could jump out of it. Oh, really? The hand that carved out the oceans? Uh, the hands that pushed the ground together and made the Rockies? And the Alps and the Himalayas? Oh, sure, sure, sure. You can just... Uh, Brother, they don't make a bucket strong enough or a backhoe strong enough for that kind of dirt work, do they? Amen. They don't. But it's only through the Lord Jesus Christ that we have merit today. That's the reason why you and I, we could go to the throne room. It's why we have access. It's why, in part, that veil was rent in twain. I wonder who they got to fix that back in those days. Do you remember that veil that was there? It said it was so strong that oxen could not tear it. But how was it rent? It was rent according to the scriptures from the top to the bottom. And it was rent in twain. Why? What was it a picture of? It was a picture that there was nothing more to hold us back from going into the very presence of God. Amen. Man. And so, man, that's the reason. This is the reason why that your prayers are heard. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. Beloved man, he really is all that we need. Someone might say, well, when have you got it made? Well, I'll have it made when I go to heaven. I submit to you, we have it made right now. Right now. Look at this next one. Let me read you this verse first. Romans 8 says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also make intercession for us. Who can lay anything to our charge? No one can, because everything, everything that we are not, the Lord Jesus is. <laughs> everything that we couldn't be, the Lord Jesus is and in our place. Look at the third one. It says sanctification. This one gives us the means. Righteousness gives us the merit. Wisdom gives us the transformed mind. But here, this one, sanctification, give us the means. And what are we, what are we talking about here? We're simply talking about the person and work and power of the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life. He is our sanctification. What did God, what does God expect from us? What did he say? Be you perfect for I am perfect. Did you ever try to work for somebody that just expected it to be perfect? 
I had, I had a professor like that once, an English professor, and he had a, man, he had old leathery skin, and he was rough looking, and had a big old handlebar mustache, and uh, this was a freshman class when I went back to school. See, when I got my college, when I got my degree, I managed to squeeze four years of college into 27 years. You'll get that in a minute, all right? If you're any good at math, okay? And uh, I can't remember his name, but I can remember his face. And he got up there and said, uh, he, he just looked at us, and this was a freshman English composition class. I'm 31 at the time. I had been saved three years, and so anyway, I'm in this class, and there's about a hundred students in there, freshman English class at a university, and uh, and he and he looked at us, and he just started off, and he said, "I'm I'm Mr. So and So," and and he said, uh, "I'm not your typical uh, English professor," and he said, "Beneath this rough, cold exterior is a rough, cold interior." And he said, everything that you turn in, I'm going to hand it back blood red. And he said, uh, I also have a master's degree in industrial arts. I teach shop. But I'm not teaching English at the college level. So, man, he was a carpenter who could spell. Amen. <laughs> as well as work a saw. All right. And, uh, and so, man, it, it, just, it just sent a shockwave through all those kids that were coming out of high school. And on that last day, you know, you have a drop or ad day, you know, in, in college. And the class got down to a down about 20 people. They had, they all like, oh, man, I want to be in English. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. And, uh, and it got down to about 20 or 25 people, as I recall. And he came in that morning. He said, well, he said, I see the class has finally gotten down to where I can where I like it. All right. He said, everything I said before is true. Beneath this rough, cold exterior is a rough, cold interior. He said, but you're going to turn in your work. And he said, I, I am going to hand it back blood red. And he said, but it's going to be a furnace. He said, because a furnace is what you use to make and refine gold. And he said, the hotter the fire, the brighter the gold. And he said, you're going to shine. And he was tough. He was one of those, be your perfect guys, you know, be your perfect. And uh, it's hard to measure up, but the God of this universe, God in heaven said, man, be perfect. Like, I'm perfect. I'm afraid we're just a little short. Amen. But aren't you glad that Jesus Christ, the righteous, he is perfect, brother. He is perfect. And so planted in the likeness of his death, according to Romans 6, I'll be planted in the likeness of his resurrection and working inside of us. We have the person of Christ or we have Jesus Christ in us in the person of the Holy Spirit that has the means and the power and the ability to live the life, to live the Christian life, the behavior, the thoughts, the conduct, all those things are there if we'll cooperate with him and believe his word. That's what that, that's in the book, what the book of Ephesians talks about, the unity, maintaining the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's not talking about us getting along. 
That's talking about you getting along with the Holy Spirit. The unity of the Spirit because the most sensitive person in the building tonight is not any one of us. The most sensitive person in the building is the Holy Spirit. What is he likened to? How is he pictured as a what? A dove, right? I get out here, man, if I make noise, they fly off the line. They fly away from the branch. They are skittish, particularly right now because dove season's open. But they're a skittish bird. I can't get out there and go, you know, call them and get them to come sit on my finger. They're not going to do that. The Holy Spirit is the most sensitive person in your life. And so us yielding and learning to do that, learning to submit ourselves, submit ourselves to him. We have that sanctification. It's the means of bringing us where we need to be. And the last one is redemption. Redemption. This one is intended to give us movement. What do you mean? What are you talking about redemption, Brother Ed? The Bible says this in Romans 8, 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Now it's true. We've received the Holy Spirit at salvation. We now have this man that's renewed on the inside day by day. We have the, we have the Holy Ghost there on the inside, but he is housed inside of a body that is unredeemed, that is lost, sinful flesh. And we carry it around every day. And Paul said this, in Romans chapter 7, he said, Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Do you know what the illustration is there? When you committed a murder in the Roman government, what they would do sometimes in the sentence was they would chain the murderer to the corpse. And as that corpse began to decay and fester, that would get on him and that would begin to eat his flesh. And so the dead was beginning to wear on him. And Paul said, man, who shall deliver me from this body of death? <coughs> well, one day, you know, we are going to enjoy the full fruits of our ransom. One day that trumpet is going to sound and, uh, and we're going to leave out of here. And I'm going to, you know, uh, you're going to be able to sing. Won't that be nice, sister, that he'll be able to sing. Amen. And, uh, I, you know, and I, I'm going to have hair and a waist. Yeah, amen. And, uh, and, and you, you are as well. We're going to get a brand new body. This is the reason why the Lord Jesus really is everything that we have ever needed. Don't let anybody, don't let anybody come along to spoil you through philosophy or vain deceit. That's what Paul wrote in the book of Colossians. What does philosophy do? Philosophy takes away from the Bible. Traditions adds to the Bible. But he said this in verse 10, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Listen to me, beloved. He's what we need for our minds. He's what we need for our merit. 
that we might be heard and go into the very throne room of God. He's what we need for the means to live out this life. And he's going to be the means for the movement we're going to have when the Lord comes back for us. And that trumpet sounds. Or whether you, whether you die and go to the grave, you're going to be getting up first. That's what the Bible teaches in 1 Thessalonians. We have all these things because of him. Don't let anybody tell you different. Let me just read you something and we're going to be done. It's in the book of Jeremiah and it's in chapter 9. Just listen to this in verse 23. I didn't want to make you turn. I know it's 8 o'clock. Y'all are not going to turn into pumpkins, I promise. All right? Listen to this verse. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. That I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. See, it is our challenge. It is a challenge. That's why he said... If any man's going to glory, let him glory who? In the Lord. To glory in the Lord. And so you and I, we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be grateful for. We have a lot to express. That's why Paul, that's why David wrote and said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So uh, could, let, let, let's just sing a song. We're going to go. Would you stand? I'm going to dismiss y'all. Let's sing, let's sing number 452. We're going to sing just a couple verses of that. All right? Let's sing, let's sing. The first and the last. Alright? And I'm going to leave. How many of y'all know this song? Raise your hand if you know this song. Few of you do. Alright? Then y'all just faith, faith it till you make it. Alright? It goes like this. Jesus Christ is made to me. All I need. All I need. He alone is all my plea. He is all I need. He's wisdom, righteousness, and power. Holiness this very hour. My redemption full and free. He is all I need. Look at verse 5. Glory, glory to the Lamb. All I need, all I need, by His Spirit sealed I am. He is all I need. His wisdom, righteousness, and power, holiness this very hour, my redemption full and free he is all i need yes. amen he really is all yes, that sir. we need